Welcome. Good morning. We're glad you're here this morning. If you're visiting with us, um, you, you chose a good time to do that because today is our uh, what we call Just Family Fundraiser. That doesn't mean you can't come unless you're family. What that means is this is a, a fundraiser that we do where uh, they raise money and they use that to bless children, kids, students who are showing things during the, the county fair. Does that make sense? I'm trying to simplify this down. Um, so if you're visiting with us, Come join us. I guarantee you these, these, these ladies can cook, and it will be better than anything you can buy out there. Just uh, don't worry about your donation. Just make a donation. If you'd normally go to McDonald's Value Meal, then bring your $3. If you'd normally go to 1836, then bring your $60. Um, whatever works. And, and just what you would normally do for lunch, you just do that, and uh, we will be glad to have you. So... If you get a chance, hang around for that. Um, once more, um, then this afternoon we're having practice for leadership training for Christ. That is, we'll call it LTC. Um, that is a uh, event that's going to happen at Easter, but the kids are already working on that right now. They're doing a lot of things. Um, there's a lot of different events. You can still be a part of that, and I know Heather's going to kill me because she thinks that uh, um, sign-ups are over, but I want everybody who wants to to be a part of that. And so if you haven't signed up yet and you think, man, I missed the deadline, just go tell her Jeff said it was okay. And, and she can be mad at me, but, but no, nobody will be mad at anybody. They're going to be thrilled that you're a part of it because you don't even have to go to the conference you don't, to still participate in what they're doing, and they're doing some really cool stuff. So that's that. Also, um, a couple of weeks ago, we did our 3x3x3 three by three by three cards, and if you weren't here, you can still participate in this, but that's what's in these baskets here. We, we took these cards, and we wrote down three names on them, and we're praying for those three names three times a day for three months. The idea is that at some point God is going to open a door or a window or, or an opportunity for you to invite that person to church or to share your faith with them. And so uh, we believe wholeheartedly that when, when God's people pray, He does amazing things. And so we have that opportunity. If you haven't done that, there's cards here. There's cards out there at the Hub. Pick up one. Nobody's going to look at it. We come in here and pray over them during the week. But other than that, nobody touches them. And uh, they're just between you and God. It's just a visual reminder for you uh, when you get here. So we've been walking through the Gospel of Luke. Um, and, and we call this series The Table. Because Luke is unique in that Luke uses the table and meals as, as a setting for a lot of the action in his Gospels. Um, we talked about how Jesus is either at a meal or coming from a meal or on his way to a meal almost all the time in Luke. And, and because of that, we, we've been looking at those settings, at those tables and, and at those meals because there's something to that. The Holy Spirit didn't do that accidentally. And so we're going to keep looking at that, and hopefully by the time we get done, we'll have some kind of grasp on what that's all about. But the table's not just in Luke. It's, it's throughout Scripture, over and over again. You can think about, think about all the, the things, that, that all the times that we saw tables. And, and, you know, Abraham welcoming angels to his table. Um, I, I'm just, this just the... Joseph, when he welcomes his brothers and, and he prepares this, uh, this feast for them, um, Moses and the 70 elders uh, uh, 
eating a meal before God hands down the Ten Commandments. I could go on and on and on because some of you are going, well, you forgot this. I know, there's a lot of them. And, and we could do that all day long. But God uses that table as, as a meeting place. And we looked at that in a series we did last year where we talked about uh, thin places. And we talked about how the table is a thin place where we don't just commune with one another, but we commune with God. And the table is a spiritual place. But if we're honest, even though our table may be bountiful, it, it, it's easy for us to doubt the bounty of God, to doubt the power of God. We don't like to admit that. You're not supposed to talk about that in church. You're not supposed to talk about doubt. But it happens. We, we doubt sometimes and we think that maybe God can't do this. Maybe God's not able to do this. I was, I was once praying for a lady in a hospital, and when I got done, I walked out in the hall, and her son followed me out of the hall, and he said, I really wish you wouldn't do that around her. What? You, you wish I wouldn't do what? Well, you prayed for healing, and I know that God doesn't do that anymore, and so I really wish you wouldn't do that. And, and I just went, man, I'm sorry. I'm sorry that, that that's the way you feel, but I pray to a God who can do whatever he wants to. You need to be careful telling God what he can and can't do. Because that doesn't usually work out. God can do whatever God can do, and we just kind of get on the coattails and watch. But the church is guilty of that sometimes. We're guilty of that, of, of saying that God can't do this or God can't do that. God's not able to do this. We tell God what he can't do, or we try to tell him what he should do. God, you should do this. You should do that. Um, Psalm 78 talks about the children of Israel grumbling in the wilderness. And, and they were grumbling because uh, God wasn't feeding them. Now get this picture. These people had seen all kind of miracles. They had seen t- plagues. They had seen seas parted. They, they had seen all this stuff. And then they get out here and they go, God can't feed us. God can't take care of us. Look at Psalm 78 with me. Start at about verse 18. They tested God in their heart by demanding the food they craved. They spoke against God saying, Can God spread a table in the wilderness? He struck the rock so that water gushed out and streams overflowed. Can he also give bread or provide meat for his people? And there's our table again. Can God spread a table in the wilderness? God is not able to do this. Can God do this? God can't. But can't is one of those words that God doesn't understand. There's not a lot of them, but there are words that don't have any meaning. When you're God, there's nothing that you can't do. And so can't is one of those words that really has no meaning to God. It's one of those words that that doesn't make sense. I don't know about y'all, but I, I have a teenager now, and so there's words that don't make sense. Like yeet. They say this word all the time. I have no idea what that means. Caleb just looked, because you know what it means, don't you? I have no idea. But, but that's because I'm old. Or, or there's, a, there's a TV show, and they say bazinga. I don't have any idea what that means, because I'm old. But that's not new. I've always been old. When I was a youth minister, um, the kids, you know, there was a rapper that created his own language. And my kids would come in and say, for shizzle. Right? Had no idea what that means. Still don't. Because I'm old. I've always been old. But English is one of those languages. English is one of those languages that doesn't make sense. I mean, I used to teach special education in public schools. And when I, my, my autistic kids struggled with English. 
because math was, was concrete. Two plus two always equals four. But English, L-A-U-G-H-T-E-R is laughter, and D-A-U-G-H-T-E-R is daughter. So shouldn't Olivia be my dafter? Well, it doesn't make sense. And, and there's a hundred things like that. English is a crazy language. There's not an egg in eggplant. Right? There's, there's not a pine or an apple in pineapple. Quicksand works slow. Boxing rings are square. Riders write, but fingers don't fing. Um, if a vegetarian eats vegetables, what does a humanitarian eat? People recite at plays and play at recitals. We ship cargo not by cars, but by trucks and ships. We park on driveways and drive in parkways. We have noses that run and feet that smell. A fat chance and a slim chance are sometimes the same thing, while a wise guy and a wise man are opposites. Your house can burn up as it burns down. You can fill in a form by filling it out. The alarms go off by going on. When the stars are out, they're visible, but when the lights are out, they're not visible. We could keep going on, right? It's crazy, and it's no wonder that we don't understand this. And can't is one of those kind of things for God, because it has no meaning. There's nothing that God can't do. And so that's one of those words that when we tell God He can't. Look over at 2 Kings 4, for example. Here we have the story of Elisha performing a, a miracle after miracle. He, he has pr- proved meticulously. He has, he has proved miraculously that God is with him. He's, he's raised the dead. He's caused miraculous uh, things of, of food. to pr- and, and here we in, in verse 42. A man came from Baal Shalashah, bringing the man of God bread of the first fruits, 20 loaves of barley and fresh ears of grain in his sack. And Elisha said, give it to the men that they may eat. But his servant said... How can I set this before a hundred men? So he repeated, Give them to the men that they may eat. For thus says the Lord, They shall eat and have some left. So he set it before them, and they ate and had some left, according to the word of the Lord. How can I set this before a hundred men? Here we go again. God can't. And they all ate and had some left. Now, if you're a Jew in the first century... There's this rabbi going around, and he's preaching, and he's teaching, and you're following him. And in your mind is all that stuff, all that history that you've grown up hearing. The prophets, the, the, the prophets like Elijah, like Elisha, who, who worked miracles. That's what this guy's like. And you're starting to get excited. And you're following him around, and you're looking for miracles. You're looking for, is he the one? By Luke 9, we find Jesus, though... Dealing with his humanness. In Luke 9, Jesus has just gotten word that his cousin, the one that they were babies together. So you can imagine that they played together, that they sang together, that they ran around in the, in the, in the courtyard while mama did work or, or, or they, they helped each other with chores in the carpenter shop or this is the guy who eventually would even baptize him. This cousin had just been murdered by Herod at the whim of a girl at a party. That's got to hurt you, Right? And I think we miss that sometimes in these stories, that there was a humanness to Jesus. And, and so he also knows that Herod is looking for an audience with him. Herod is looking for this Jesus to hear about him. And so he goes away. 
He goes away, not because he's just running from Herod, but because he needs to get away. He needs to get away by himself because he's grieving, because his heart's broken a little bit. That's hard. It's hard for us to see. But here comes the people. They're always wanting more. They're always, always coming. And, and it's important for us to realize that, that he was human. Let's pick up the text. If you have your Bibles, Luke chapter 9. Um, we're going to start about verse 10. On their return, the apostles told him all that they had done. He had just sent them out, and they had worked all kind of miracles. They had been healing. They had been preaching. And he took them and withdrew apart to a town called Bethsaida. And when the crowds learned it, they followed him. And he welcomed them and spoke to them of the kingdom of God and cured those who had need of healing. Now, did you notice Jesus' reaction here? He's tired. He's spiritually drained. He's hurting. He's grieving. And he goes off to be by himself. And here come the people again. And you would expect him to go, can't you guys just give me a break? Can't you let me have five minutes? But he doesn't. What does he do? He welcomes them. That's important. That's important. In John's account of the story, he says Jesus loves them because they were like sheep without a shepherd. He welcomes them. That's important, y'all, because sometimes I feel like my requests wear him out. You know? You ever feel that way? I mean, come on. There are important things going on in the world. And he doesn't care about Jeff. Sometimes I feel like he's shaking his head going, oh, here comes Jeff again. But he doesn't. He welcomes them. Can we be honest? Can I have preacher confession time here real quick? There are, there are people, meetings, things that wear me out. That, that uh, I, I have a preacher friend that says there are meetings, committees, that he calls time toilets. Because... Once you get in there, your day is flushed away. And I look at Jesus, and Jesus never felt that way about anybody. You never see him going, oh, here they come again. And I want to be like that. I want to be where even at my worst, I'm still welcoming. I'm still offering healing i'm sure still offering sharing the kingdom that's what he does he welcomes them he shares the kingdom and he offers them healing but that's hard because i'm not jesus i'm trying i'm trying to follow him and i'm trying to be like him but i'm not him sometimes jeff is not enough sometimes jeff's more about excuses and i and i say i can't do this because i don't have time or, or, or I can't do that because it's, it's too much. Or, or, or God can't do this because we're not able. Or, or, or we can't do this because we've never done it that way. Or, or I can't do such and such. And, and I start telling God what He can't do. And I start telling God what He should do. Luke 9, verse 12. Now the day began to wear away. And the twelve came and said to Him, Send the crowd away to go into the surrounding villages and countryside to find lodging and get provisions. For we're here in a desolate place. Now, I'm sorry, but that's funny to me. Get the picture here. In the chapter before, this guy that they're talking to calmed a storm on the sea with a word. You with me? 
This guy that they're talking to faced down this really, really scary demon. We're talking Stephen King counted scary demon here. You with me? And this thing ran out and started crying at his feet because it was scared of him. Right? This guy had just raised somebody from the dead in the last chapter. And they go, hey, let me tell you what you need to do. You need to send these people away because we don't have the resources to take care of them right here. We can't. I, you know, I wonder, what, what do you think they were expecting here? Can you picture this scene? Because the rabbis would sit to teach. And so, I'm not going to do that because I can't get up. He, Jesus would sit, and I can just see them coming up beside him and going, Lord, you should send all these people away because we're in a desolate place. What were they expecting him to do? To go, oh, thank goodness. I'm so glad you guys are here. Because if you hadn't have told me that, I would have just taught all night and these poor people would have went hungry. You think that's what they expected? I know they didn't expect what they got. Look at the, look at the passage and, and, and see the smirk in Jesus' voice. Because John tells us that he knew what he was going to do already. And he says, verse 13, you give them something to eat. Now, I told you, I think Jesus is the coolest ever. And, and I, I hear that in my, in my head. He's sitting there teaching. They come whisper to him. He goes, well, you give him something to eat. And he keeps teaching. And their little minds are just blown. Because they're like, wait a minute, wait. What? Look at verse 14. First, oh, well, the rest of verse 13. We have no more than five loaves and two fish. Unless we're going to go out and buy food for all these people. Here we go again. Can God spread a table in the wilderness? Can I put this before a hundred men? God, we can't. We can't do this. What are you, crazy? Now, you've seen him speak a storm into silence. You've seen him face down the supernatural. You've seen him heal every big disease that you can think of. And you've seen him raise the dead at least twice now. And you don't think he can provide lunch. Because you, you can't. We don't have enough. But we do the same thing, right? I mean, we're guilty. We pray for Sister Betty when she's got a cold and we say, Lord, heal her. But then when she's in the hospital with cancer, we pray, Lord, make her comfortable. Because we're afraid that he can't. We don't like to talk about that. Or we'll come up with something and we'll say, you know what? We really feel on our hearts. We had a marriage seminar here and, and a great number of the town came here. Which tells me that there are people in this community who need help. How do we help them? Well, we can't because we don't have the money. That's what we'll say. We can't because we don't have the resources. We don't have the expertise. Once again, we tell God, you can't. And there are so many things that we leave on the table because we say we don't have enough. Here's the point right here. The reason that this story is included in all four Gospels, the reason that this story has been repeated for centuries, is Jesus is going to show them right here, I am enough. Pick it up in 14. And he said to his disciples, have them sit down in groups of about 50 each. And they did so. 
And you'll hear people postulate on the theological implications of the number 50. I think it was just so they create some aisles so they could walk in between them and pass out fish. That's, that's my two cents worth. Take that for what it's worth. And he did so and had them all sit down. And taking the five loaves and the two fish, he looked up to heaven and said a blessing over them. Now, can you imagine what they're doing at this point? He's got a happy meal. And, and 5,000 men, so, you know, with women and children, we're looking at close to 15,000 people here. And he's got a happy meal, and he's thanking God for it. You know they're going, what in the world? These people are going to kill us all. Um, then he broke the loaves and gave them to the disciples to set before the crowd, and they all ate and were satisfied. And what was left over was picked up, 12 baskets of broken pieces. Jesus says, you give them something to eat. They say, we can't because we don't have enough. And Jesus says, bring me what you have. Let me do the rest. Because I am enough. Remember Psalm 78? Go back to Psalm 78. Man ate of the bread of the angels. He sent them food in abundance. He caused the east wind to blow in the heavens, and by his power he led out the south wind. He rained meat on them like dust, winged birds like the sand of the seas. He let them fall in the midst of their camp all around their dwellings. And what? And they ate and were well filled. Literally, they ate until they had enough. In 2 Kings 4... The servants set it before them, and they ate and had some left, according to the word of the Lord. And then in Luke 9, 17, he's going to put both of those together. And they ate all, and they all ate and were satisfied. They had enough. And what was left over was picked up 12 baskets of broken pieces. Jesus says, I am enough. That's the word. When you feel like your spiritual life is, is lagging, and you feel like... You know, I'm just not the Christian. I, Jesus says, just bring me what you got because I'm enough. When, when, when you feel like you can't face another day because it's hopeless and, and there are times when you debate whether it's worth getting out of bed in the morning, Jesus says, just bring me what you have because I'm enough. When you feel like you don't have the strength to overcome the, the same sin that continues to plague your life and you find yourself like Paul going, the thing that I don't want to do, I keep doing, and the thing that I do want to do, I can't do. Jesus says, just bring me what you have because I am enough. Later in this chapter, Peter's going to declare, you are the Christ, the anointed, the Messiah of God. This morning... There are lots of us who have shown up here and we're looking for a word from the Lord. We're looking for what God has to say to us. And this morning, what he's saying is, Jesus is enough. Jesus is enough. He's enough to feed thousands. He is enough to raise the dead. He's enough to save your soul. He is enough. we got to remember that He is enough. We can tell the stories in this church. I'm not going to go through them because we'll, we'll, I'll miss somebody. But, but there are stories of miracles in this church. There are stories of, of people with cancer being healed. There are stories of, of babies who were given two years to live, now grown and, 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 and having families of their own. There are stories. Each one of you has told me stories about God reaching into your life and lifting you up because He is enough. There are people in this room who five years ago were, were addicts without hope in their life. And now they're serving in ministry of the church to the glory of God. You better amen that. 
come up, uh, come up. <laughs> baptize somebody, Todd. Um, <laughs> Jesus says, I am enough. And when you feel like it's hopeless, when you feel like it's helpless, when you feel like no matter what I do, I can't get it right, Jesus says, just bring me what you have. That's all I got. That's all you need. Just bring me your happy meal. Just bring me your loaves and fishes. Just bring me your little bit of faith. That's all I need because I can work some amazing things with that. This morning, if you're here, that's why you're here. You're not here by accident. The Holy Spirit brought you here this morning so you could hear those words. Jesus is enough. Bring what you have. We're going to have elders and their wives at the back of the room this morning. They are there to pray with you. You don't have to confess your soul to them. We're not looking for confession. We're not going to make you do penance. This is just so you will have somebody to pray with. Because I know there are people who... who desperately need to go before the Father and you don't feel like your faith is enough. Hey, let us have faith enough for both of you this morning. Maybe you're at the place where you're like, I'm through trying to drive this thing myself. I want to give it over to God. That's what we're here for. Hey, we got lunch ready, so we ain't even got to be in a hurry. We'll, we'll, we'll bring you before God and help you to repent, confess, and be baptized so that you walk out of here a new creature. This morning, Jesus is enough. Whatever it is you're facing, Jesus is enough. Come to Him right now while we stand and sing.